Good morning again to all of you. It's uh, great to see you and I'm so excited um, as we continue this series uh, called Revealed. Uh, today we are in week two. Uh, last week we started and we talked last week about how Jesus revealed his deity. Jesus revealed to us that he is God. And we're going to go through this series and we're going to talk about the different things that um, Jesus, different truths, they're not things necessarily, different truths that Jesus revealed to us. And I want us today to start by focusing in on one verse. And we're going to unpack, last week we did tons and tons of verses, but we're going to start today with just one verse and then we'll go dive into a few more later on. But here's the verse I want us to unpack today. And this is going to be our driving verse this morning. Mark chapter 15, verse 38. If you have your Bibles, uh, again, we're going to throw these things on words on the screen. But if you have your Bibles, it might be good for you to to get them out and try to follow along. We're not going to jump around nearly as much as we did last week, but I would love for you to see this for yourself. So if you're not in the habit of bringing your Bible because you're like, ah, they throw it on the screen, we throw it on the screen for those of us who forget to bring our Bibles. It shouldn't be exception, an exception. So I would love for you to bring your Bibles. I would love for you to bring notepad or something like that to just say, hey, you know what? I forgot that passage. I forgot that statement. I want to double check this guy. I want to make sure he's right. So you're going to go and read that passage later on for yourself. Okay, have I convinced you yet to bring your Bibles? Okay, not so much. Keep working on it. Keep working on it. So um, maybe we'll just tell Jason back there to just throw it up every now and then. Don't, don't put up every verse, just so you guys are like, ah, I need that verse now. So bring your Bibles. Okay, Mark chapter 15, verse 38. This is the verse we're going to unpack this morning to just to see what does Jesus reveal to us in this verse. And you've read this before, I'm sure. So here it is. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Doesn't that, wow, you guys are like, I don't get it. I don't quite follow where he's going with this. Check this out. Mark 15, 38. This is what it says. And, and, and when we're done, when we read this again near the end of the sermon, you're going to be like, wow. That is significant. That is amazing. This is what it says. The curtain of the temple is, was torn into from top to bottom. During the crucifixion of Jesus, or at the very moment of his death, at the time when the priests were busy offering evening sacrifices, the veil of the temple, the curtain of the temple, is torn in two from top to bottom, exposing for the first time, exposing the Holy of Holies, symbolizing that Jesus, as the high priest who would enter the most holy place, had opened the way for all believers to enter into the presence of God through his flesh that is symbolizing the veil. Now that's the theological definition of the curtain being torn. Okay? That this was a one-time thing where the temple curtain is torn into symbolizing that Jesus is now the way we enter into the presence of God. Now, this is something you need to know about me. I absolutely love getting gifts. And the good thing for me is I married the person who loves giving gifts. And some of you have experienced this from her. My wife, Maria, loves to give gifts. I become a little child when it's gift time, you know. And the worst thing about getting gifts is the waiting. 
You know, and at Christmas time, you know, as a parent, you're, you're making the rules. Kids, wait, we got to do this. We got to do that first. You know, we have to read the Christmas story or we have to have dinner. We're going to have a big Christmas dinner. And the kids are the ones crawling out of their seats because they want to open the Christmas gifts. Well, I'm right there with them. It's Maria doing that. Wait, we got to read the story. You know, we got to read this about Jesus and not gifts only. And so I'm like, okay, 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 okay. Who can read the fastest? You know, and then one of the kids will start reading because I want to get, I love getting gifts. I love getting gifts. Now, the, the thing that I can't stand about the gifts is the waiting. And so I'll be the one when Maria's like, hey, it's Ike's birthday or dad's birthday, daddy's birthday, sorry. And, and you're in there like, we're gonna, let's give daddy his gifts, you know, but we're going to have dinner first and all this stuff. I'm the one who's in the living room going, come on, kids, eat, eat. I want to open my gifts. Come on, come on, come on. You know, I just, oh, I love getting gifts. I hope some of you buying me gifts soon because I'm, man, I'm promoting big time here. I'm, I'm promoting, okay. Uh, anyway. So the hardest thing about getting a gift is the fact that it's still wrapped and you got to wait to get into it, right? Because this thing, in a sense, is veiled. You know, my wife, you know, she doesn't even wrap the thing anymore because it's just like butcher knife. Just, you ruined it. It's a fancy picture. Oh, sorry, you know. Um, she just puts the little the fluff stuff now. I chucked that stuff up so hard it's stuck to the ceiling for like days. You know, it's like, I want to see what's in there. You know, but when you get a gift, you know, and you haven't opened it yet, it's a little bit like if it's veiled. There's something in there that you have access to. It's, it's yours, but you can't have it yet. You can't see it yet. And I want you and I to, to think of that way now of Jesus. And he's saying God is veiled behind this massive veil that we're going to uncover in a little bit and look at. Now the curtain... The veil that was written about here in in Mark chapter 15 that we just read refers to the curtain of the that that separated the Holy of Holies from the holy place. There was a holy place in the temple, and then there was the Holy of Holies. And this curtain, this veil, separated the Holy of Holies from the rest of the temple. The Holy of Holies was off limits to everyone except for the high priest. And he could enter in only on the annual day of atonement. Now, full account of this is found in Leviticus chapter 16. So maybe you want to write that down and you can read Leviticus chapter 16 because that's where the full account of the holies of holies is described. The holy of holies contains the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. Early Jewish historian Josephus, uh, a person who wrote during the time of Jesus, reported that this veil, this veil that is torn in two, that this veil is four inches thick, and that horses tied at both ends of the veil could not tear the veil. Now, during the time of Jesus, the temple in Jerusalem was the center of religious life. This is where you went to hear from God. The temple was the place where the animal sacrifices were carried out, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 to 9, again, maybe want to write that down, we won't take time to read that here today, tells us that in the temple, a veil separated, like I said, the Holy of Holies from all the rest of the temple. This place, the Holy of Holies, was the place where God at that time dwelt on earth. Okay, this was the place, behind that massive veil, this was the place where God made his human dwelling. And so only one person, only once a year, was able to enter in to make atonement 
for the sin of people. So the veil, it represented the separation between us and God. Because of this veil, only the high priest is permitted to go in. And if he didn't go in right, he had to carry blood to sprinkle, to make sure that the sins of humanity was paid for, that there was a sacrifice paid for, for the sins of humanity. This was the only access that the people had to God. You couldn't just anybody go in there, you know, I just want to kind of hang out with Jesus today. I want to kind of hang out with God today. I just want to talk to God. I want to ask God for forgiveness. That's not how it worked. The only access you had to God was through this high priest, through the high priest, once a year. That was the only access. So access to God was extremely limited for the people. Now, can you imagine if right after the Day of Atonement, you mess up? you got to wait all year before your sin can be atoned for again. Now, the size and the thickness of the veil makes this event occurring at the moment of Jesus' death on the cross so much more momentous. This wasn't just some little sheet that accidentally ripped in two. It's believed that this veil was somewhere between 60 feet high. Now remember, Josephus says it's four inches thick. The book of Exodus teaches us that this, um, that this thick veil was fashioned with blue, purple, and scarlet material and fine, twisted linen. This veil wasn't about to rip on its own. So we read the passage that the veil was torn in two from top to bottom. Now I want to read to you the context of that passage. So if you open your Bible, stay right there in chapter 15 of Mark, but jump forward a few verses, verse 33. At noon, darkness came over the land until there... Sorry, let me start over. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said... Listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. Verse 37, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And then we have the verse we looked at before. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion, who stood there in, the, in front of Jesus, saw, all, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. I think it's important for us today to just to take something that maybe we would maybe consider common sense. But I want us to just focus on this for a moment. I think it's important for us to note this morning that someone had to stop and do the homework later on. And do the investigation and say, when did that curtain rip? When, when did Jesus die? Someone had to put these two together and say, oh my word, it happened right when Jesus died. The first that we need to understand, the reason that's important is because, first and foremost, it was impossible for this curtain to be torn on its own. But what's even more important is the fact that it happened when Jesus died died. And we're going to look in a little bit at the symbolism of that. 
We're going through this series, Revealed. Jesus reveals things to us constantly about who he is. We said last week that he revealed, he made statements like, I and the Father are one. I'm going to the Father, that he was going to be on the judgment seat. Jesus revealed very clearly while he was here on earth that he is God. So we want to look today, what is it about the curtain being torn in two from top to bottom? What is it that Jesus is revealing to us through this? What do we make of this? You know, you may look at it and say, well, big deal. You know, it doesn't really impact me that much. Oh, but it does. You and I are living post-torn curtain. If you were living pre-torn curtain, and if you would go from today, 50 years later, when the curtain was torn, let's say you, you're today, the curtain isn't torn, and 50 years later, it is, has been torn, you would have a very different view of this passage. This passage would suddenly mean far more to us. You see, we've been raised post-torn curtain. So what is it about this curtain that is torn? What is the symbolism for us? What is significant to you and I today? What is Jesus revealing? The tearing of the veil at the moment of Jesus' death dramatically symbolizes that his sacrifice, the shedding of his own blood, was a sufficient atonement for sin. Amen. Woo. Let me try that again. The, veil, the tearing of the veil at the moment of Jesus' death dramatically symbolizes that his sacrifice, the shedding of his blood, was a sufficient atonement for our sin. It also, it's significant that now that the way into the Holy of Holies is open for all people, for all time, for Jews and for Gentiles. At one time, it was something that could only be done by the high priest once a year. Can you imagine those people who are standing there in preparation for the evening sacrifices? They have never been in the Holy of Holies. They're not the high priest. They don't have access to God. And suddenly in their preparation, this thing tears in two. You would be wondering, can I look? Am I allowed to see what's in there? Am I going to be dead instantly because if I even look upon God, that was the old way? If I even look upon God, I will be instantly dead. Now all of a sudden the temple curtain is torn in two and all of us have access to God. Remember, the reason the high priest went in once a year was to make atonement for the sins of the people. He didn't go in there for himself. He went in there on behalf of the people, to pray and to seek God and to ask that their sins would be atoned for, that their sins would be forgiven. We now all have access to God because the curtain has been torn and is done away with. So Jesus revealed to us access to God. You have access. So if you're thinking today, well, man, how do I get to God? How do I know that my prayers get anywhere? Why? Because the curtain is torn. We live in a post-torn curtain time. 
There is no more veil that we have to pass through. You don't have to come to your pastor. You don't have to go to some holy person. You don't have to go and do some weird ritual. You and I now have access to God all the time. So anytime we have sinned, anytime we need for, uh, to um, have atonement, we can do this now by accessing God deliver, uh, immediately. When Jesus, was, when Jesus died, the veil of the curtain was torn. And God moved out of that place to never again dwell in a temple made with human hands. Look what it says in Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. When the ripping, with the ripping of the veil, the violent tearing of this incredibly huge veil, access to God was opened and made available to all of us to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Every believer in Jesus has, can come directly to God through the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. Because it was when Jesus said, it is finished, that the curtain was torn. And now through his blood, we have full access to God. So we don't need a priest here on earth. We don't need a go-between here on earth. We can enter into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. Before this, as we know, the people relied on the high priest to make the sacrifices. Jesus is now our high priest. He has made atonement for the sins of humanity through his blood shed on the cross. In the first part of Hebrews chapter 9, if you want to get your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 9. The writer explains how the old system worked, and we've talked about that. He, he talks about how the, the priest had to go and, and make these sacrifices. But then look at the contrast that he draws. Hebrews chapter 9, and then we're going to jump and start in verse 11. He says this, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater in the more perfect tabernacle, that is not, not made with human hands. That is to say, it is not part of his crea this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. The, priest, uh, the, the writer here is saying the priests used to go in once a year and they would, they would have to do this, but it wasn't sufficient. And we'll look at that a little bit more later. But now Jesus goes in, not with the blood of goats and, and lambs. Jesus goes in with his own blood that is shed on the cross. And now suddenly we have eternal access to God. Verse 13, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of the heifers sprinkled on those who are ceremonial unclean sanctified them so that they were outwardly clean. Look at verse 14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? When Jesus died, he revealed 
that we now have access. He became the way through which we have access. We don't have to pass through an earthly man-made veil. It's gone. Jesus is now the way through which we enter into the presence of God. In a sense, you could say the veil was symbolic of Christ himself. We used to have to pass through a veil to get to, uh, to God. Now we could say Jesus is, in a sense, that veil through which we enter into the presence of God. This is in, indicated by the fact that the high priest had to enter the Holy of Holies through the veil. Now Christ is our superior high priest. This is why Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now I understand in our culture, the idea of a monotheistic doctrine is not popular. We don't want a monotheistic doctrine, a, a doctrine that says there's only one God. The problem being, there is only one God. And Jesus says, and the only way to God is through me. So let's read Mark chapter 15, verse 38 again. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See, now when you read this, all of a sudden you're like, ah, that's important. Now, do you think it's important? Do you think it's, um, there's anything significant about the fact that it was torn from top to bottom? You may be wondering, like, well, does it matter that the writer is very clear to say that it was torn from top to bottom? I, I think it's quite significant. I think it's important. I think the ripping of the veil or the curtain from the top to the bottom suggests that this is something that God did. If the veil had been torn from the bottom to the top, it could be argued that maybe this was something man did, which would be a, a stretch, but hey, you could argue now and say, ah, you know what, those priests were in there cutting away and they had you know, secret horses that no one could see and, and they ripped this thing, which that would be a stretch. But you could argue and say, well, maybe this was something people did. But now the fact that it was 60 feet tall and it was torn as four inches thick and it was torn from top to bottom, it clearly signifies to me anyway that this was something God wanted done. God wanted to be unveiled. Hmm. What an amazing thing for you and I today. God's kind of like in that gift going, unwrap me, unwrap me, unwrap me, unwrap me. And yet so many of us, now we have access to God and we rarely, rarely spend time with him. I want you to see something that I think is quite incredible in the writings of Hebrews. In verse 18, um, the writer is talking about the sacrifices that the priests were making. And these sacrifices were never sufficient. And so they didn't last very long. You know, in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 18, he, he's talking about how they, the priest would have to go in again and again and, and make these sacrifices over and over. Why? Because they were only good for a short period of time and, and they were never like, the plan was never that these would be a long-term sacrifice. This was something that they planned on doing over and over every single year. 
But then there's again this incredible contrast that Hebrews makes. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. It says, therefore, okay, we, we've, we had this system that didn't work. We had this system that you had to do over and over and over again. But now there's therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. Okay, he's setting this up. He's saying, okay, Now that we're no longer in that old system, now that we no longer have it the way it once was, what are we going to do about it? What are we going to do? Now that we can, this new way has been opened for us through Jesus, his body, through the curtain that that is now Jesus' body, what are we going to do? And he goes on, he says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, what are we going to do? What are you doing? The veil has been torn. You now have access to God. What are you doing with it? That's the question. Jesus revealed that you and I, we now have access to God whenever we want. There isn't a veil. There isn't a certain system. There isn't, you know, one person who can go on your behalf. You have access to God whenever you want. The writer here is saying, so what are you doing with it? Look at what he tells us to do, verse 22. Let us, all of us, Draw near to God with sincere hearts and with full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Because he's saying, we know some of us are going to take this for granted after a while. We know that now that we have access to God whenever we want, it's also going to be like, oh man, that's cool. It's kind of like when you're dating at first, and man, you can't wait to see that girl. And you're like, oh man, cannot wait. And then all of a sudden you're married, and you're like, hey, you're home, good. I'm going to be in the other room watching TV. Man, when you're first dating, you're like, can I help? Is there anything I can do? You know? And now you've been married maybe a few years, and you're like, ah. You know, and those of you that have been married longer, you kind of, you smarten up, and you're like, you know, I should really spend time with the girl here. You know, she's important. But at first, you're married for a little while. Man, I remember when you're first married, whoo-wee. It's just, like, can we just stay any closer together? It's like, make space. I need to cook. I need to drive. You know? And then all of a sudden, after a while, you're like, hey, it's just, how you doing? It's almost like the writer here saying, I know this is going to happen to you and God. You have access to him now. You can be in his presence anytime you want. Guess what's going to happen? Some of us are going to stop doing it. So he says, let us hold unswervingly to this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. So i got to ask you what I ask myself as I work through this. Am I taking this for granted? Are we as a church meeting on Sunday morning 
because we want to worship a God we have access to? Or are we meeting on Sunday morning because this is what we do? Are you going to do your devotions on, in the morning or whenever you do them? Not because, oh, if I don't, I'm going to feel guilty and feel like a horrible Christian. Are you going to pray? Not because, oh, I better, because if I don't, you know, I'm not a good Christian. Are you going to read your Bible because, you know, you have access to God now and you're like, I cannot believe this. I can call on God and I can read his word. I can pray. I can meet. I can worship. Why? Because through Jesus, I have full access to him now. Or are we going to go through some just ritual that we do? Because that's what we're supposed to do. So what are we doing with this incredible truth that Jesus revealed to us when he died? He said, it is finished. Boom. Curtain is torn in two. Access to God made available to all people through Jesus Christ. So I want to challenge us to spur one another on. And I want to challenge you to spur yourself on. You may need to go home and look yourself in the mirror and say, I'm taking this for granted. I have access to God and I'm treating it like it's no big deal. I'm treating it like, hey, you know, I'm married now. Hey, how you doing? Good, we're glad we're married. Coming to bed soon? Yeah, okay. If not, I'm going to eat lunch. You coming? Yeah, no, eh, okay. I can do it without you. That's not a healthy way of being. When you're first dating, it's like, okay, we didn't have text maybe. But when you're first dating, it's like, oh my goodness, I just want to be around you. I want to be around you. And we need to go back to that with our relationship with God. So if you've never embraced Jesus, maybe that's why you don't get all that excited about him. I want you to know that today you have access to him. I want you to know that today you can call on him and receive forgiveness for your sin. The veil is gone. Jesus is here and you can have life through him. And if you've received Jesus and you're, you're a Christian and you've been living as a Christian maybe in this way of just saying, yeah, I pray when I need to pray and I read my Bible when I feel really guilty when I haven't done it for some time or I, I go to church because that's what church people do. I want you to consider changing the motive for why you do what you do. I want you to take on this new way of saying, the reason I'm going to do this thing, because I have no idea what it would be like to not have access to God. So because I do have access to him, I'm going to take full advantage of it. Can you imagine committing a sin a week after the Day of Atonement and knowing you've got to live with this now? till the end of the year so that a priest who you don't know personally can go in for you and sprinkle some blood hoping that it'll be enough that you'll be right with God that's gone now we have Jesus who cried out on the cross it is finished who rose from the dead defeating death. Through him, we have full access to our Heavenly Father. So friends, let's not take this for granted. Let's use this. Let's grow in our relationships with Christ, with our relationship with Christ to become all that we can. Let's pray.
Father God, I want to um, ask now that you would um, just continue to speak to us as we sing this closing song. And I really do feel, God, that some of us are sitting in this room right now who just were not getting this because this is what we've always known. And so maybe we grew up in a, in a religious home where we said our prayer before meals or we said prayers before bedtime and, and we just assumed that this is what we do. So we really haven't thought through this idea of uh, access to you. That you're there. That you're listening. And that you care. That you've been unveiled in this amazing way. So I pray for each one of us that we would have just a, a renewed desire right now to know you. To communicate with you. To be drawn in by you. And even something like going to church, if it's just because this is what we do, that our motive would change, that we would come because it's like we have access to you. We can worship you publicly. We can worship you and, and praise your name and hear about you. We want to receive as much as we can. I pray, Lord, that that would be the motive for why we go to church. But that it would be far beyond just in these walls. We would view our whole lives that way. So I pray if there's any spirit here today that's maybe trying to suppress us into saying, oh, it's nothing, it's nothing. It is. It's so huge. Jesus, you revealed to us access to your Father through you. So Father, draw us to yourself. In your name I pray. Amen.